Executive moms face many challenges as they navigate career and family. In this part two of our Executive Mom series, we've asked a few of our guests to share what some of those challenges look like and the solutions for overcoming them. First, we have Arielle Murr, Vice President of Healthcare at Arnold Ventures. Earlier in my career, I had this idea that to be an effective leader, you had to be present in the office at all the times and be the last person to leave and the person to know all of the information and have your hands and all of the pots. And of course, when you become a parent, it becomes much more difficult to play that game. And it caused me to see and to kind of grow into a leadership posture of really cultivating a great network around me, trust in the people around me, clarity in the roles that I play and my team play, and to really interrogate what is enough and what it means to get the job done and get the job done well and to understand what we're really trying to drive to. And the quantity and the quality don't necessarily correlate. I would say also, I read a book when my older son was about two and starting to really assert his opinions. It's a book called How to Listen So Kids Will Talk and Talk So Kids Will Listen. And they gave these techniques for, again, this kind of like active listening and reflecting back what you heard. So when a kid says, I want a cookie, right? Instead of saying like, it's dinner time, honey, you know, we're not having a cookie to say, I hear that you want a cookie. Cookies are really delicious, right? And to make them feel heard. And don't you know, if that isn't a good technique in the workplace, when someone comes to you with a, a strongly held position in any working relationship, that kind of skill is really, really valuable. And I would never say to my colleagues, I'm treating you like my toddler son. <laughs> but those superpowers in motherhood, the kinds of things that you have to practice every day as you're holding the space for another human being to be learning and growing and establishing their own place in the world, it really serves you well in in leadership. Next is Kelsey Mellard, founder and CEO of Sitka. Kelsey shares how she revealed her pregnancy while fundraising. We're really excited to be welcoming the little one in September for our first addition to our family outside of, of course, our fur baby Arlo, our Spanish water dog. That time of being like, six weeks pregnant and closing a series A and it's that weird window where no one really tells anyone yet and you're feeling things out like what's going to happen and continuing to progress in the pregnancy positively and feeling like I have to tell Bob and Brian that this other thing is coming. And of course, it probably felt like a bigger deal to me than it did them. And so I was 10 weeks pregnant. And during one of our check-ins, I shared the news with them and said, there is something that I, I want you to know that is really important and we will navigate through it. But I do want you to know this as soon as I think I, we probably told them before I told my family in some ways, because I take that relationship incredibly seriously. And, and they've invested a lot of time and energy and effort and continue to do so. And of course, not to mention money in Disica. And so I don't know what maternity leave will look like, frankly. This is entering a new world where I won't have tremendous amount of control as to what happens and how the delivery goes and what the baby's needs are after, what my needs are after. And we're in the process of starting to think about plan A versus plan B. 
But I'll tell you, it's been really challenging when I've been kind of Googling around like founder, CEO, maternity leave. There's a, a couple instances, right? I think we saw with the Bumble IPO and that CEO having her child as part of that experience, which was really beautiful. There's a few cases like that that, that exist and, and experiences that exist, but it's something that there's not a cookie cutter approach to it. And this is kind of create your own adventure. And we'll be doing that in conjunction, of course, with luckily some family support that we're really fortunate enough who, who are eager to come out and help. And, and then, of course, we've been spending a fair amount of time building our team at Sitka and feeling really positive about the folks that we've been able to welcome to help us get to the next level of organization. And frankly, stability. And I do think this is kind of a, a test to just broader organizational design, which is maternity leave is not unique. And we as a country still treat it as a pretty unique thing because we're not used to it occurring all that frequently in our workplaces. Same with paternity leave and, and baby bonding is actually what, what it's referred to as, as these days. But if you do a good job building your organization, you know, and you're of certain size, right, there should be enough infrastructure, hopefully, in place to keep things pretty afloat. But there's a couple of variations of plans that we have of, you know, a couple of weeks off to needing more time and how to go completely off versus part time and what that looks like. So we're starting to toy around with some of those models. And luckily, my husband's workplace Zooks, which was acquired by Amazon earlier this year, has generous baby bonding time as well. So we'll certainly be taking advantage of that. Dr. Amy Compton Phillips, president of clinical care at Providence, explains how she had to make difficult choices while raising two children. I started out as a frontline clinician, and then I ended up being a department chief of internal medicine. And then I got asked to run medical offices. Right around that same time, I had my second child. And I was just finding juggling the clinical care, the administrative responsibilities, and raising two kids with a husband who had a busy job overwhelming. And I said, I, I have to give up something. What is the thing that I'm willing to give up? And I decided I was willing to give up administrative tasks. And I went back to half-time work just seeing patients. But it turns out that when you work half-time, that's two and a half days a week. Well, you really actually work three days a week. So I finally said, hey, will you pay me for the other half day? And then they said, well, would you do a little bit of administrative work in the meantime? And so I ended up doing it. And it just kept creeping back up. And I finally got to four days a week and started taking on more administrative tasks. And around the same time, took a bigger job that I cut back. So it is an iterative process. Amy goes on to explain how making compromises with her spouse proved beneficial. I feel incredibly lucky. So probably what's been my most difficult doesn't even remotely compare to colleagues of mine who've been raising children with one parent, for example, right? I have two. And I happen to have a marriage that's lasted 31 years now, and we actually still really like each other <laughs> and we consider each other our best friend. So the difficulties that I faced are probably significantly different than difficulties others have faced. But part of it's been, how do we balance out what's important? So when I was younger, my husband's career was the one that we thought was going to be the one that helped set our finances into the future because we both grew up with families that both our moms were teachers and our dads both worked because that's what it took to raise a family. We didn't have really any money. In. But that said, we wanted a better life for our kids. So my husband's job, his job was going to be the one that got us on. So I went half time and he went to work and I was the more parenting Later, when I got the job nationally, he cut back to half time. I went on 
to do the full job, right? But those kinds of decisions are how do we do that together? How do we figure out how do we focus on the kids and we focus on the jobs? And our answer was one of us has to work a little bit less because two really super busy jobs is incompatible for our family with putting the time into the children that we wanted to. So it's just such a juggle. And the lesson that we learned is saying yes to everything means doing everything badly. That in order for us to do anything well, we had to learn how to say no to some things. So that would be my biggest take home is be willing to say no and your life will be better. Next is Hallie Tecco, founder, president, and chief women's health officer of Natalist. Hallie describes how becoming a parent helped her set boundaries. I made a promise to myself and my family that I would set boundaries. And there's no easier way to set boundaries than to become a parent because you can put the gym aside, but you cannot put a baby aside. We've created a culture at Natalist. Our team is mostly moms, so we're all in the same boat. And we literally clock off at five. We all turn off Slack, turn off all notifications. We don't work weekends. And we're all really committed to not burning out and creating a really good work-life balance. And that also means being extremely productive during the work hours. I don't think I realized how unproductive I was before. I might have been working 80-hour weeks, but I was spending a lot of it working on things that were unnecessary. I wasn't prioritizing my work time And so I think now forcing myself to prioritize, I'm far more productive and efficient and I'm really happy with balance. I feel really good. I love my work, but I also get to shut off and spend the evening with my family and it's, it's really great. And I hope that other women can find that balance. It's really hard, especially when you're in a work environment where that's not the expectation. Anu Anuradhika is a system director for strategic innovation at Common Spirit Health. Anu shares how for her to become an effective leader, she needed to start at home. I always had a working mom, right? So we come from a very remote part in India. And actually, my mother's journey, I think, really shaped the women I became because, you know, at 18, in a typical Indian fashion, she was supposed to get married, right? And she defied all that. And she said, I'm not marrying. She went became the first girl in the entire state to get her master's degree, didn't stop there, got another one, did not marry until much later in life and was a working woman all her life, right? So, but I used to see her get up at five, cook breakfast for the entire family, the in-laws included, come back, get immediately into the kitchen, be there until 11, doing all that. And at that time, looking her do all that, I thought, that's not going to be my life, right? I'm supposed to take it to the next level. So I'm going to really challenge the status quo. So when I started working and I became a mother, it was very eye-opening to me that I was falling in the same pattern. I was doing the same things that my mother did. I was carrying all the weight alone, right? Wanting to get up, having to have be a perfect mother, cook like a perfect meal, go to work, put in 10 hours, come back home, do it all. So for me, I think uh, the big realization was that if I do really want equality at work, and if I really wanted to be changing for women, I have to start at home first. And so it was a very honest conversation uh, with my husband to say, how are we going to do this? And where can I take the lead and where he takes the lead and giving myself the permission to do that at home actually made me a much better leader because then I could walk into the workspace and really look at new eyes with what was the divide and conquer that was happening between men and women and also how to challenge it for many others to come, right? If you're not in that place yourself, it's very hard to say, 
where do you want to change for the rest of your team? As Manoja said, being really cognizant of like the women in my team or on my team are not compromising on that personal and professional life. They can truly have it all. And to also give ourselves permission that we have the right to ask for that equality, be it at home, be it at workplace. So I felt like my journey started with being really that rebel of like questioning it, right? You know, women have been in workforce for what, 70 plus years now, if you think that World War II was when we really started joining to saying it's taken too long, it won't. And then realizing that I'm actually becoming a part of the problem myself doing the same things. And that was a wake up call to really drastically change how I conducted myself and engaged both at work and, you know, at home. And I, I do believe in the process. I made my husband also a better uh, professional because, you know, doing his equal part at home actually enables him to go with those eyes and with those lenses into his workplace, you know, and make sure that the women on his team are also feeling supported and he recognizes where they come from and the pressures they are under. And, you know, as a, as a support, as a leader, he can make sure that he's there for them and stand up for them. Thank you ladies for sharing your experiences as executive moms. It's a great reminder that juggling motherhood and a career is not only feasible, but learning from each other can help all of us thrive in both roles. Her Story is a podcast produced by Think Medium. For more leadership stories from inspiring women across healthcare, tune in every Wednesday. Please subscribe to Her Story on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you're listening right now. You can also view Her Story episodes in video and access exclusive content on our website at thinkmedium.com. Be sure to rate and review Her Story so we can continue bringing you insights from influential women across the country. If you enjoyed this episode, we appreciate you spreading the word to your friends, family, colleagues, and mentors who might be interested. For questions and suggestions, please contact us at herstory at thinkmedium.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.